This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Jones! Bowden! He's got it! England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins! Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four and England have won the match! Hello, welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. Thursday, the 9th of February, the big top of the table test match clash between India and Australia has begun. The four test series beginning in Nagpur with an intriguing first day, which certainly India had the best of. So we'll talk about that in a bit. But actually, we're focusing quite a bit on this podcast on women's cricket with the advent of the World T20 about to start in South Africa. So although there's no Simon Mann today, our special guest is Danny Wyatt, one of the members of that England World T20 side. The the lady I call England's fire starter. She's the women's equivalent of Jason Roy, gets the innings off to a cracking beginning, really uh, going for her shots. And she's got some interesting things to say about England's prospects in that World T20 tournament and also the relationship between Nat Siver and Catherine Brunt, who, of course, are married within that team and a little bit of insight into how they get on as a couple in that side and also the impact that John Lewis, the new coach, former England bowling coach, former Gloucestershire bowler, has had on that England women's team. So Danny Wyatt coming up shortly. And also, after the break in our Club World section, we've got a very interesting character, Melissa Storey, who's a commentator and player who's got some fascinating forthright stuff to say about the women's game and women's club cricket. So that's coming up a bit later. Just to recap what happened on the first day in Nagpur, Australia-India, Australia batting first and actually making a a poor start. Both David Warner and Usman Kawaja getting out early onto the new ball. Then Marnas Labashain and Steve Smith put together a, a pretty healthy partnership. They got through to lunch and then it was the old spin twins of Ravi Jadeja and Ravi Ashwin who wreaked havoc on the Australians and really only one other significant partnership, that between Peter Hanscom and Alex Carey, that managed to get Australia up to 177. They went off and one or two of the commentators said, you know, that's uh, that's not bad. They'd be quite happy with that. I'm not sure they will be, actually, especially once India themselves got to 77 for one with Rohit Sharma looking in regal form. The damage, as I said, mainly done by Jadeja and Ashwin. It was fascinating to watch the duel between Smith and Jadeja. Smith, a brilliant player of spin who... Managed to get Jadeja over the top of extra cover a few times. But Jadeja just did him brilliantly with a classic piece of almost human natural variation by bowling a couple of balls which turned sharply and then one that, that pitched in about the same spot didn't turn. Smith playing for a little bit of turn and bowled through the gate as the ball just went straight on. A classic Jadeja dismissal. A couple of others followed. And then Ashwin, as he often does, winkled out the tail with some beautifully flighted deliveries. He got Alex Carey attempting a reverse sweep. He got Pat Cummins with a beautiful two-card trick. First, the ball lobbed up outside off stump, which turned through the gate, nearly bowled him. 
and then the one a bit straighter, which just slid on with the arm and took the edge, and he was called a slip, Pat Cummins. And then Scott Bolland, you know, just done like a kipper by the classic sort of carom ball, the one that looks like an off-break, comes out of the front of the hand, spins the other way, and he played for the off-spin, and it bowled him off-stump. Absolutely brilliant bowling by Ashwin. So Jadeja there finishing up with 5 for 47, and Ashwin with 3 for 42. And then Sharma took 13 off the first over from Pat Cummins, got to 56, not out, lost his partner, Kale Rahul, caught and bowled the debutant, Todd Murphy, uh, the the new off-spinner for Australia, caught and bowled him for 20, uh, but Ashwin, as night watchman, is not out, naught. So 77 for one in reply, the Indians. And uh, how's the pitch? It's it's not great. It's, it's not a bad pitch. You wouldn't certainly say it's as bad as some of the ones that England uh, had to play on in a couple of years ago in India, but it's certainly turning. Uh, the old one's turning. The old one's keeping straight on. The bounce is okay for the seamers, but slightly irregular for, for the spinners. And unfortunately, Australia just don't really have their frontline attack. Apart from Pat Cummins, there's no Josh Hazelwood and there's no Mitchell Stark. Uh, Scott Boland is opening the bowling and then they have a very inexperienced second spinner, Todd Murphy. So it really, uh, it, it's, it's a little bit of a mismatch, I think, this test match. Even though Australia managed to bat first, I think India will take a significant lead. And, you know, their, their expertise at batting on this pitch will just be shown up and their expertise at bowling on it too. Jadeja, you know, he, he looks sort of fairly ordinary, doesn't he, as a spinner, but he's just immaculately accurate and just subtle variations. Bowls very close to the stumps. I posted a, a little clip of him on Twitter, actually, showing how clo- much closer to the stumps he is than somebody like Jack Leach, which means he only has to bowl and turn it fractionally to get lots of LBWs, and he can bowl pretty much wicket to wicket. And then Ashwin, with all his clever variations as well, it- it's just uh, mesmerising to watch and pretty awkward to play, as the Australians found out today. So, undoubtedly, the Indians will be happy. Only 100 runs behind after the first day's play with nine wickets in hand. OK, so let's look ahead now to the World T20, which is starting at the end of this week. And England played their first match on Saturday. And as I said, Danny Wyatt was our guest in World's Best Cricket Club last night. You can join us at World's Best Cricket Club by going to worldsbestcc.com for a live interview every week in aid of the Professional Cricketers Trust. And you can also get this podcast ad-free as well and join our very active WhatsApp group with cricket comment and observation and video and insight from all over the world. A really interesting club, worldsbestcc.com. Danny Wyatt was our guest last night, direct from South Africa. And, you know, we talked a lot about women's cricket. We talked quite a bit about her evolution as a player And then we looked ahead to the World T20 tournament and I said, well, I suppose Australia are the team to beat in that tournament, but they have just lost to Ireland in a warm-up match. Yes, I did see that, but I also saw that a couple of the Australian batters retired. So, yeah, if you look at it that way, then, you know, but yeah, I think Ireland will take massive confidence from that obviously and it just shows that the Aussies are very beatable so um and we've been in great form in our warm-up games um and hopefully we can we can keep that off because our new coach John Lewis Louis he's trying to get it 
installed into our brains just to be positive, always take the brave option, whether it be with the bat, ball, in the field. He's just trying to get everyone thinking like that. Um, and yeah, as you can see in the last few games, we are definitely not going down wondering. So, um, well, I saw the score with your yeah. first game, warm up game. You got 246, didn't you? Is that right? Yes, we did. We, uh, Sophia Dunkley got 50 off like 15 balls. She was literally just standing there, teeing off. I mean, the boundaries were probably the smallest I've ever played on, but still, you've still got to hit the ball. And we were facing one of the best bowling attacks that we'll come up against in the world. So, um, we're going to take massive confidence going into the World Cup for sure. But obviously, you know, World Cup, um, it's a different game. You've just got to be on it from ball one and show, keep showing off, keep showing the world how good we are. I was going to ask you about John Lewis and, you know, this sort of positive approach, because obviously it's come from the men. It's mm -hmm. come from Stokes, McCullum kind of um, philosophy. Yeah, basketball. So how has he, uh, I mean, two questions really, wasn't that your approach before and how has he managed to integrate it into, into your sort of mindset? I mean, personally, I've always gone out there and tried to be positive and trying to be brave, all of that stuff, whether it be in the field or with the bat. So, yeah, it's just a matter of, you know, trying to get everyone on board with that, even if we're struggling at 20 for four in the power play we still want to go out there take the positive option you'd rather be 70 all out than 126 off 20 overs you know that's not how we want to play our cricket we want to be brave and always take the positive option and you know it's t20 cricket you've you know the modern game now especially the women's game everyone the best teams are all playing positive cricket and you, you know 140 is probably not enough now. So, um, as you saw the other day, we had 240 and 20 overs. Um, but obviously, we don't know what the conditions are going to be like at Paul. We've not played there yet. And watching the SAT 20, it looks a bit on the slow side. So, obviously, we're yeah. going to have to assess conditions. But even if it is slow, we are going to go out there with intent, but in a smart way. You know, it's not about being reckless. It's about picking your bowlers, playing to your strengths and just playing positively. Are you going to be opener? And if you are, is there a sort of certain amount of responsibility there on you as the experienced player, as well as the person who's the positive player, one of the positive players, to kind of assess the conditions and, and try and figure out fairly early on what a, a good score may be? Yeah, um, so I've opened for England in T20 for the last, I think, five or six years now. Um, opening all, all my T20 teams, which I think is the best place to bat. But obviously, when if you bat first especially, you're going out there first. So you've got to assess the conditions really quickly and communicate that back as soon as possible to the non-striker or to the other batters in the shed. And, you know, T20 cricket, you haven't got much time to have a look. You've got maybe one or two balls, if that. And, yeah, as openers in T20 cricket, it's your job to go out there and make the most of the first six overs. You like that responsibility? Yeah, I do, because I like going out there from ball one and taking the game on. And we call it throwing the first punch. 
whether that be coming down the track and defending it, at least you're showing intent. Um, you know, just puts the bowlers off a little bit, I guess. So yeah, my personally, my game doesn't change. I'm just gonna keep being positive. And um, Sophia Dunkley's the same. She's just batting exceptionally well at the minute. She's so um, she's on fire, isn't she? At the moment, she's on fire, and she's so young as well. So yeah, this tournament's gonna be big for for Dunks for sure. She's gonna yeah. show the world what she can do. Women's cricket has really moved on, hasn't it? Can you kind of put your finger on? the significant changes of, say, the last two or three years? Because it's now you know, really mainstream. <laughs> so how, how, can you kind of tell us what has changed in the last sort of couple of years that's made it so so much more prominent, really? Um, well, I guess, you know, the the 100 was a great addition. We've got the Big Bash now, the IPL auction's coming up, which is going to be huge for women's cricket. Um, and for sport, actually, for women's sport, um, and we're just we're just getting more opportunity, I guess. So I've I probably spent in total of about a month at home last year. So we've just got so much cricket, which is what we've wanted for a long time now. And yeah, just everyone's skill levels really going up because you've got all the younguns coming up trying to get your spot. You've got the likes of Alice Caps who's come out of school and showing what she can do on the on the world stage she's going to be a cracking player I mean she already is but she's going to be scary yeah I can't wait to see where the women's game is in 10 years time <laughs> yeah and I mean I guess it's it's different to what you were imagining when you sort of first started playing cricket you'd have probably yeah. imagined not not necessarily a career in it but kind mm -hmm. of you're having fun yeah. And probably trying to progress. Mm. I, I presume it's it's kind of it's gone beyond all your expectations, really. Well, I I was playing football when I was um, about eight eight years old, and then that's when I first started playing cricket because my older brother played and my dad played. So I just went down to a local net session, and it went from there. But um, yeah, I never I didn't even know there was an England women's cricket team, and then. I went along to watch England v New Zealand and I carried the flag onto the pitch, actually, when I was 11, 12 years old, which I remember very well. And yeah, I guess it was all about women's football and how you could be a professional footballer, but I never ever thought you could make a living out of playing women's cricket. I mean, I still can't believe it now. Like sat here getting paid to play cricket is just, I still don't believe it's true, really. What about the pressure, though? I mean, is it still, you know, when you started playing, obviously you did it for fun. Is there a, a because of the, the the increased exposure, financial you know, opportunity, career path, et cetera, is there more pressure as a result and less fun? Or can, yeah, you, can you still well, have? I've, the pressure I feel now is still the same as when I first started playing. I think whenever... You go out there and play for England. You're you're being judged by millions of people. It's your job, and if you fail, you'll be jobless. And I've got no qualifications. I went straight from school to the MCC on cricketers at Lords. So I literally didn't even go to uni. I just played cricket. I just wanted to play cricket. So yeah, but then I always look at it and think, you know, it's it's not the be all or end all, and you've still got to think. You know, you you look back at when you started playing and why you started playing. So I always try and think about that, and I'm like, just enjoy it. 
play each game as if it's your last. And I think you always remember the times off the pitch more than on. When I look back at my career, I'm like, you don't really remember what happened on the pitch. It's all the nights out you've had with the girls or after an Ashley's win, um, the time you played golf in New Zealand. And it's such a good time, like being with a group of, we call ourselves sisters because, you know, we uh, we see these girls every day throughout the year. Pretty much nine months of the year I'm with them. Um, so we're like one big family and it's the time of your life. You know, you only live once. It's short, so you've got to make the most of it at the end of the day. And that's a big reason why I chose cricket over football because football, you rocked up, you warmed up, you played the game, and then your dad would take you to McDonald's and you go home. Whereas with cricket, you turn up, it's an all-day thing, and then you stay for a few drinks after all the parents would be getting along, and then you'd be outside playing with all the kids. And I thought the people were a lot nicer in, in the cricket world as well. Like, you meet some beautiful humans in the cricket world, and I'm, I'm glad I chose cricket. <laughs> so, so what's the best fun you've had? Who's the best person to go out with then i've just been out for dinner with um catherine bront nat Siver, heather knight amy jones sophie dunkley lauren winfield we're they're quite fun to go out with catherine is always making me laugh yeah we're always chatting rubbish at the table <laughs> when i first got into the england squad i was 18 and it was when charlotte edwards was captain and she used to just take the mick out of me like a girl from stoke never really i probably lived under a rock for most of my life up until then um and i was very very gullible the girls probably still take the mick out of me i think it's because i'm from stoke not many people support port vale do they so give us a bit of sort of insight into the into the dressing room you've got quite unusually for um a cricket team Apart from South Africa and the England women's team, um, you've got a married couple in the in the in the in the dressing room. Is there a sort of, you know, is one kind of jiving <laughs> away at the other? What's what's that like? Oh well, Catherine is the complete opposite to Nat. Like Catherine is from Barnsley. She's like proper northerner, and then you've got Nat, who's from Surrey, who's very posh. But they just work so well together. And like opposites do attract, it's very true. Um, and as you can see on the field, like Catherine's so fiery, you do not want to miss field upper bowling. Like you, you will know about it. She'll be like, Oh, what are you doing? Um, whereas Nat's a complete opposite, she'll just be like, Oh, it doesn't matter, head on. And yeah, they're just, you know, they're made for each other, and yeah, they're very happy traveling the world together, playing for England. What more could you want? They love each other so much and they they live in each other's pockets every day. They train together. They eat together. Um, and yeah, I guess they push each other to be better people, better cricketers. And yeah, in my eyes, they're the best two cricketers in the world. So yeah, I just hope Catherine um, is still is still around for a few more years. She's still an absolute nightmare to face in the nets with her wobble balls and away swingers. So um, yeah, she's just a fantastic person. Just tell us a little bit about the tournament then. So you've got your your four games, I think. Have you four group games? Yes. Um, playing West Indies first. Mm -hmm. So how do you assess your chances generally? 
So we've got West Indies first and then Ireland. And then we've got India and Port Elizabeth. Then we come back to Cape Town and play Pakistan, I think it is. So, yeah, obviously each group is really tough and World Cups, anything can happen. Pressure does funny things. We've, we recently played West Indies on their back garden just before Christmas. We won the T20 Series 5-0. So, um, you know, you've got, you know, one-off games and World Cups, anything can happen. So we're going to have to bring our A game in each game and just focus on each game as it comes and not look too far ahead. There's a lot of um, confidence in our group at the minute and hopefully we can keep that up throughout the tournament. Well, your timing's good because um, the women's IPL, the WPL, is being announced and there are five teams all jockeying for the best players in the world. And in about four days' time, there's a draft mm. with $1.4 million on the table for a team. It's mad. It's crazy. And what are you going to be doing on that day? Well, there's been a little bit of talk about it, as you can imagine, but it's not ideal timing as the World Cup's around the corner, um, which we need to focus on, and that'll be our number one focus, obviously. So we play on the 11th, and we play Ireland on the 13th. So, yeah, I think the auction starts at half past two Indian time. I think we'll just get it before we leave for the game. Um, so I'm sure people, well, some people might not want to know until after the match, and then some people might want to know. So, What group are you in? I want to know. I think not knowing is going to make me anxious. <laughs> um, so I, I want to know. Obviously, yeah, it's going to be weird. Like, I've never been in an auction before and a lot of the girls haven't. So it is not going to lie. It's going to be a bit strange. So, yeah, the thing is, no one really knows what's going to happen. No, Nobody knows. So Producer Noughts here. Just come <laughs> Go on, Producer Noughts. Uh, well, you were saying that, Dan. I was just thinking... Beginnings on uh, your first game, ching ching, as they say, ka ching. <laughs> You're in the yeah. shop window. Well, surely they could have, they should have done it by now. Well, I mean, that's a good answer, but in fact, you're right. Your first answer was also right. You never know what's going to happen with auctions, and it's all about teams pinning their hopes on a particular player or type of player, and then if those, if that, that they, if they don't get the player they want. They end mm. up with a lot of money at the end for somebody completely unlikely. So mm. quite often you find that un, fairly unheralded players get a lot of money. And some of the early picks go for sort of relatively low cost because people, some franchises sort of save their money till the end and others mm. go for a splurge at the beginning. So it's a bit unpredictable. So I think that the, the difficulty for you, and you've kind of hinted at it in a way, is having this sort of price tag on your head. That mm. must be. That must be a weird idea. Yeah, it's very weird. You know, we're humans and having a price tag on you is not normal. Um, so it is a bit strange, but it's how it is. And yeah, every, there has obviously been a bit of talk about it, but it's going to be absolutely massive for women's cricket and women's sport as well. You know, it's just... Everyone was in shock when when they heard about it, but everyone's been wanting this moment for for years. While I have, you know, it's a dream to play in India in an IPL. Like I've been a big fan of the men's IPL for a number of years, so 
I think if I get picked up, it'll just be very cool, very special. Fantastic. <laughs> um, you're, you're such a great ambassador for the game and we love watching you play. So Thanks all the very so best much. from all of us to all of you in the tournament. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, so this is our club world section where we look at club cricket, village cricket, and actually today we're going to look at women's club cricket as well because we have a special guest, Melissa Story, who not only plays club cricket but commentates on men's and women's cricket as well at professional level. So we'll talk to Melissa in a bit. Uh, Norts, you're here uh, again, though, of course, uh, as our resident club cricket experts with particular reference to to the Southwest. And I, I, I guess you've actually started practicing now have you trying to to find that sweep shot which has proved so elusive oh uh, to be honest simon hello everyone. the sweep shot is old hat now i've already moved on from that i say cricket cricket excitement axbridge cc is at fever pitch level as we approach this this net at uh, somerset at taunton so that's that's kind of that's quite a good i think that's a good vibe to get people really pumped about cricket rather than just our usual nets to go to the program and play no i'll tell you what's caught my attention what i've actually started I've been doing a lot of um, I've got to think of it, left hand wrist strengthening work, having seen the Moen Alley tennis shot, which I'm, what I'm calling it. That is definitely being pulled out first game of the season. That seems to be such a, a, a if you can nail it, that seems such a great way to score runs at club cricket because there's just nobody going to be down and running. Slow bowler, anywhere near off stump. See ya, straight over third man. Thanks very much. So that's what I'm. I'm literally going to try and play one-handed cricket next season. Let's see how it goes. It won't go very well, will it? But I'm always. Well, I'm especially always... not when your record of two-handed cricket isn't particularly impressive, is it? It's a bit feast or famine. Um. So we. This is referring to Moen Ali switching himself around and and whacking it one-handed when the bowler went also the other way round, right? Yeah. But I don't. But I don't line up with the bowlers. I see that shot being played. If you if if it's anywhere near, it comes out. You think it's anywhere near off stump or outside. It, the left hand goes over. The left hand swings. He didn't really hit it very well, did he? But there was lots then mm. on the back of on Twitter. There were lots of examples of other people who were doing it in other parts of the world. And I just thought, okay, this is something. You've got to be three sixty, even in club cricket these days, Simon. And and, and, and be dexterous. And and be dexterous. Three sixty. Yeah. We're not here to that. I thought. Um, we're talking about women in, in club cricket. And one of the things I noticed last year playing for down our way was actually we had, you know, you might encounter in previous seasons a girl or a woman playing for a size somewhere in that season. But last year, I think there was three in three completely different games. And I thought, well, is that a sign of this, this you know, the growing the growing interest and development of women in cricket and the fact they're playing? I want to see more of it because it's it's a great thing. And I thought, well, that, if that's the case, it's a small data set, but that's what I saw. 
empirically, I thought it's a great opportunity to talk about it today. Mm. And and that is the perfect segue into into Melissa, isn't it? Because Melissa, your story is going through the pathway as a young female player uh, playing for Wiltshire, and then heading down to to Bristol to the to Southwest. And uh, you've you know played a lot of girls and women's cricket in your time, but actually you're quite enjoying playing men's cricket, right? Yeah, that's correct. I mean. I've, my entire kind of cricketing career has always been supplemented by either boys' academy cricket or now men's cricket because, you know, they're such vastly different games in some ways and there's completely different skill sets in both of them. And I've just genuinely relished being around, you know, two very different changing rooms, two very different games. It's definitely helped as a cricketer develop skills, not very good ones, but skills nonetheless. And, and give us a sort of a, a contrast then between life in in a men's club cricket dressing room and, and a women's one well I'll start with the women's one because you know you, you set the scene you've got the 2012 pop hits in the background there's a lot more giggling and and laughing running about but I mean it's a it's a, as a, a girl player playing within a women's team I am going to feel more relaxed when I show up to the game there just because I'm around people of, of my own gender and it's a more comforting experience and even when you go out there and start playing cricket you know as I say it's a, it's a slightly different game because the bowling is a bit slower you often can't just stand there and swing for the hills so I think it sometimes it's a much more tactical and smart game you, you know you're pushing those twos and threes a lot more you've got to figure out how you potentially navigate 30 overs of spin in the middle of a 50 over game and it, it's really intense to to have those battles and it's often why you see so much more innovation in the women's game and how when we saw those reverse sweeps become more normalized and the little paddles we actually saw them in the women's game a lot more before you know longer before the men's Lydia Greenway was playing them um you know great example you swap it up to the men's kind of changing room and you know, at, at first it, it is harder because some games I show up, when I was younger, I was fortunate to be one of three girls in our academy pathway. We all went up together and unfortunately those girls don't play anymore. And now sometimes I'm going to games and I am the only woman there. So, you know, the first obstacle is, is there a place for me to get changed? Normally there's not. So then you're going, where's the toilet? I've got changed in the shed. I've got changed under a cover. Um, I've got a blanket in the car just in case for someone to hold up. Um, that's the first obstacle but you know the the guys who I play with at Caution are you know they've just been incredible I've never had any issues with me being the only girl in the team with them um giving me opportunities inviting me along to training there's never been a stigma there's never been uh really make a point that she's the only girl in the team you just become one of the boys um and I, I I've absolutely loved it and then of course Cricket-wise, it's a much different game because suddenly the ball's coming past my head a lot more often. You're getting a lot more chat behind the stumps. I was not prepared for that from women's cricket because it, it gets nasty. Um, and yeah, it, it's it's a, a different game because even just in the bowling department, I'm using a bigger ball when I'm bowling and I'm, pre I'm pre predominantly a bowler. So it feels when it's coming out my hand, it's always going to be fuller. It's always going to be a tiny bit slower. And I also have to think about how the guys I'm bowling to are a lot taller. So their stride's going to be bigger. And so if I'm over pitching it, I'm getting pumped to the boundary straight away. So what may be a good delivery in women's cricket, which is a bit fuller, you've got to change it all completely, try and swing the ball, bring your length back a bit. And it, it's really, really helped me develop as a cricketer to be able to adjust between those two formats. 
also, uh, I, I suppose there's pace on the ball as well, more in men's cricket, isn't there? So I know that my daughter really enjoys playing far, quite fast, sort of 18-year-old schoolboys because you can use the pace. Because you don't have quite as much power, the average woman doesn't have quite as much power with the bat, you can use that speed and pace to, to score runs. Oh, absolutely. I love facing seam bowling. As soon as, you know, I, I usually bat in the middle orders, I see the leggy come on and I know in about five minutes I'm walking back to the pavilion. But when I'm playing in, in men's cricket, I often come in around like eight, nine, ten a bit more. And there is that assumption, oh, you know, she's batting down the order. Let's put the openers back on. We'll clear this kind of up. That's exactly what I'm looking for. I want that pace on the ball. And there is certain shots as well. And I love playing the cup shot, which is a shot I've developed through playing men's cricket. It's a lot harder to play in the women's game because there's less pace on the ball. And I'm quite a small player. So I have to rock back so far and almost put my entire body through the ball to cut the ball away in the women's game and honestly there'll be a sweeper out there so it'll be a single so I've nearly knocked myself out for a one as soon as I go into the men's game there's a little bit more pace on the ball it's just it's it's really good and you know I, I get frustrated before when I've always said that when I train in a men's net if there's a new player there or anyone the pressure on you as a, a female player at a men's training session for that first ball you face is immense because if, you know, God forbid you miss the ball or you play a bad shot, which most people do in their first few balls when they're getting settled in the net. But if you do that, then sometimes you can see the net bowlers who have bowled the delivery going, Oof, oh, maybe I was a bit too fast for her. Maybe I was just a bit too good. And you can see them thinking at the top of their mark. And I'm there just going, just bowl the same. You know, I played a bad shot or, you know, I, I nicked it. But that's what I'm here to practice. I'm going to adjust and be better next time. And then you see them trundle in and bowl like some dodgy off spin. And I'm like, you don't need to have sympathy on me. You know, pelt the ball past my head for all I care because then I'll learn how to duck it or I'll learn to hook it. And that's what I'm here to do. I'm here to develop as a cricketer. I don't want you bowling you jammy off spin at me so yeah pace on the ball the best thing about playing men's cricket it's funny actually because uh, we had on our virtual cricket club last year we had sophie eccleston and jack leach on together and uh, i said to sophie do you fancy playing a bit of men's county cricket and she said well, yeah i'd love to she said but i'm a bit worried about 90 mile an hour bowling and so Jack Leach said, well, I'm I'm quite worried about 90 mile an hour bowling as well. So it's the same, it's the same for all of us in a way. What are the problems um, associated with getting into a club? So at the moment, you're, I think, looking for a club. And also, is there an issue around women performing in men's cricket that's not really getting recognised at, at sort of regional or county level? Yeah, that's interesting. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm currently looking for a, a women's club to supplement um, my playing at my men's club because my men's club doesn't currently have a women's section. Um, so I'm, I'm not even sure, actually, if I will join a women's club this section. I haven't decided yet. And we were, we were speaking before the podcast of actually quite a lot of women now are deciding just to play on Saturdays for their local men's team. And, you know, it comes down to a number of reasons, whether, you know, your partner also plays at the same club or just for me, my dad's played at, at Corsham since I was born. So I've got that connection with them and I, I like playing for them there. Sometimes for some people, Saturdays are just a lot more convenient than Sundays when women's club cricket's played because 
for the last four years, I was playing for a team down in Southampton, Hursley Park. We played in the Southern Prem and our closest opposition was a two hour drive away. So for some days I was driving three and a half hours to Canterbury, getting back at, you know, half 11 on a Sunday and then going, oh my God, I've got to go to work on the Monday. And I'm not even working a full time job. So we saw a really dramatic drop off, actually, of women in there, you know, around 25, 26 in that team who were suddenly just saying, I can't sustain this anymore. I'm just going to go play men's cricket on the Saturday so that I can take the Sunday off. Um, and about these performances being recognised, it, it's a tricky one because the current structure of women's cricket, and if anyone's not too familiar with it, is you've obviously got these fantastic regional centres um, based around the country. And those are the centres, you know, which are producing the England players coming through. It's fantastic. But then the women's county game isn't really existing anymore. And there's this really funny, obviously, scared debate in the men's game of going, oh my goodness, is this the death of county cricket? Whilst not many people have noticed that in the background, the women's county game has been dying off just quietly without anyone realizing the main um formal leagues are basically condensed down to three weeks in april there's three weekends of t20s and it's just like that it's gone that for a lot of people um, my age is exam periods where they're still at school they're at uni and i know that some counties have organized informal leagues uh, for the rest of the summer um, but this isn't, you know, organised by the ECB or anything. This is just down to individuals in these counties who have formulated some kind of league. So you've got the regions, you've got the really struggling counties, and then you have club cricket at the bottom. And as I said, a lot of women are choosing just to play men's um, club cricket on Saturdays. The issue is how those performances are going to get recognised by people up at the top at regional cricket, because you haven't got that stepping stone, which was county cricket beforehand. And there's a massive issue in women's cricket with girls dropping out of playing when they get around to university age, once they no longer qualify for under 17s cricket, because under 19 women's cricket is as much of a big thing. And particularly until recently with the lack of professionalization of the game, you did have to make that choice. It was, you know, do I want to go get a job? Do I want to go to uni? Or do I want to take this massive gamble and try and keep playing? And it was really only a select few who could do that. Fortunately, because of professionalization, more can sustain an education and, and play as well but you just have this massive almost chasm between the regions and club as I said how is anyone going to be looking at these performances in in men's club cricket and women's club cricket and how are you ever going to be able to jump up to those regions you can't really at the moment because there's no stepping stone and I've seen some fantastic performers um, when I've been playing women's club cricket, when I've been playing men's cricket and come across other girls and go, wow, this is a real talent, but there's no one here to see her play. And it, it, it's such a shame because, yeah, there is a there is a massive depth of talent there. But a lot of these girls, once they hit 19, 20 age, there was it seemed like there was no way to get back, no way for their performances to be to be seen. So they've just settled on playing men's cricket, which, you know, is fun. It's great. But you know, I consider myself a bit of a washed up cricketer and I'm 22. It, it's very strange in a way that that's the, the kind of state of affairs. Very well put. And I hope that people heed that because I've seen that myself a number of times, exactly what you're saying, that girls of sort of 17, 18 have lost interest because there isn't that sort of level of, of, of opportunity between 
women or men's club cricket and and the regional or even England sort of levels. So that's a very, very good point. And it's a real shame that county cricket for women has seemed to have lost its way, in certainly at senior level. I do think, actually, Melissa, two really good points you've brought up uh, on your um, uh, joining us today. Two really good points. Number one, I don't particularly like being in a men's dressing room and I'm, I'm getting a blanket uh, next year so I can change in that. <laughs> There's nothing nice about a men's club cricket changing room. I can't think of anything positive to say about them. The other thing is, which I think is really interesting that you said it, um, is it's a great topic for another club cricket episode, sledging. Because I'll tell you what, last year was the most sledging I've ever heard while batting. And I didn't bat for a long last year. I had a, I had a Jason Roy type run of form last year. And I thought it wasn't, it wasn't playful sledging either. It was proper, like, nasty. And I'm like, where's this come from? That is definitely a topic. And you say you hear it in the playing in men's teams. That's yeah, crossing, I mean, it crosses a line for me. It's a bit of a weird because in the, when I play women's club cricket, we're all mates. I feel like we've all known each other since we're 11. It's a bit like all, you know, the Ashes series now when they're all playing in the IPL together. And we saw Trent Bolt sitting in the England dugout in their warm up game just the other day. And, you know, it feels a bit more like that. But I do think there's definitely more of that competitive edge verbally when I played the men's game and it was an interesting story I remember actually because even though most of my club experiences have been overwhelmingly positive I'm caution who I play for are fantastic you still come across complete idiots and you know you've got the type who who slows down the bowling or I still remember a game where I was playing for our club's third 11 I was warming up just ready to go out to bowl because I've been told I was opening the bowling and I overheard the other team's openers who are very conveniently, I think, were from the first and second 11 and had dropped down that week to try and help their team win the league. So it's classic. And oh. they were putting on bets to see if they could hit me for six on the first ball. And I remember overhearing it. And as soon as that happens, my heart just dropped because you wouldn't be making those kind of you know bets if there was a guy opening the bowling. Because for them, it was that assumption. They were going you can do this because she's a girl. They had no consideration for you know what talent I could possess or anything. And, you know, they wouldn't have done that to a man because they would have had more of respect for what could have come out. And I remember being at the top of my mark and it, it slipped out, the ball, it was a loaf and toss and he did hit it for six. And just as soon as that happened, my confidence just dropped. And, you know, it, I, I came back and I did absolutely fine after that. I think the rest of the over was fine, but that just assumption, it still kind of rings in my head every time I play. And yeah, it, it, it's incredibly frustrating to still have those attitudes from some and there'll always be you know those kind of idiots who are around who are just going to assume you're a bit rubbish but I think it's important when when teammates call that out and you know there's been a lot of talk recently about this changing room kind of culture and the more you know it's, it's a really hard thing to step up and call someone out but it's really appreciated because you know I've had some of my friends at, at Corsham call that behaviour and it, it really means a lot as a, as a female player. And that's why I want to be playing more men's cricket. So these last two years, I've never felt more supported. Well, personally, if you get that first, uh, first over uh, next season, just, um, just run them out at the non-striker room for a laugh. Do it. <laughs> you know just, what? That's a good idea. Just it's do a, it. Yeah, it's, it's just a, it's a weird one as well. And you also have that mindset of, 
when I was the only girl on the team, I'm just like, oh my God, I've let down every female cricketer in the country. Now all these, you know, these people with quite backwards thoughts are going to think we're all rubbish. And it's, there's so much pressure on you that, you know, if I get out for a duck, I'm like, oh, now they're going to think women can't play cricket. And it's a stupid amount of pressure to put on yourself. But until those kind of morons leave, leave the game or change their attitudes, then there's always going to be that much more pressure on the shoulders. But yeah, I, I might do the run out of the non-strikers, cause a bit of a stir. I'm not sure it would help with the sledging situation, though. I think to I'd be honest, quite yeah, hard for myself. To be honest, Melissa, I think when I come on to bowl, they're betting if they're going to hit the first ball for six. I think it's my it's Mark Wood, but it comes out more Ian Austin these days. <laughs> I, so, well, I call those I call those kind of gobby cricketers who play like Saturday. I don't play Saturday cricket anymore. Sunday cricket, for example, Sunday cricket is like the friendly, and you get this. I like to refer to them as professionals trapped in amateurs' bodies. To be honest. It's the classic kind of thing of oh I would have been I would have been a professional if I hadn't got my knee injury. And you had and also the other great the really other great thing uh that you said there, classic is it when you play against somebody and you go, This guy comes about, oh yeah, he's uh, he's the top of batting averages in the foot. Why is he playing on a Sunday? Oh, I don't really know why. And then he just strokes an effortless hundred and thirty. And you said, was it really worth it, mate? Was and it then you spend the rest of Saturday evening at the bar afterwards going, is cricket really the sport for me? Like, you know, I've heard, I've heard golf's fun, anything. She's just like, I've just been chasing a bit of leather round a field. I've climbed into this cow field twice now, all because this bloke from the first 11 wanted to boost his ego a bit by smacking around some of us amateurs in the thirds. But yeah, any, anything to make them feel better. So just tell us uh, just briefly um, what your has in store, what your summer has in store, because you do commentary as well. Um, how are you going to marry that with your studies and your job? Well, it's I like to stay busy. Um, all my friends and family think I'm an absolute lunatic. But um, yeah, I've got exams coming up actually quite soon in March and then my final set of exams ever um, in June. I've managed to pick Lord subjects. Exam, yeah. In, yeah, in law exams. I've chosen my subjects around the women's test at Trent Bridge for the Ashes because even if I'm working on it or not I'm going to be there obviously quite a momentous thing five-day test um should be a good contest um and as soon as the exams are over um hopefully I'll just be going to BBC Solent where I started my commentary um in 2021 covering a bit of the counter championship T20 blast um it's going to be really exciting this year as well because there's a lot more double headers with the Charlotte Edwards Cup I've noticed a lot of counties posting that on social media and I, I love a double header I think it's it's great value for money and you're exposed to you know some of the the women's names who you wouldn't have wouldn't have known before so do a bit of work with them as I said hopefully be involved in the women's ashes and then the um I'm not allowed if I'm allowed to say it the hundred um in August we will be we will be covering that um trying to remember that you're not allowed to say over is always the hardest thing to do August is pretty much taken up with the, the fireworks and fun of the hundred and then I'll be starting my job um my training contract in September early on in September hopefully I'll actually have time to play a bit of cricket in between it all I hope you keep a diary because it's uh, you've got lots of great stories and you could make a great book out of that uh, highly recommended speaking from experience one little tip uh by the way for any uh, male cricketer out there all female in fact is just what I used to do when I was running a bit late for a game, which was regular, uh, a bit late for practice in, in in the context of Lords. I used to keep a set of whites in the car 
and actually change at the traffic lights into my whites and then drive straight to the practice ground, the nursery, uh, so that it looked as if I was already at the ground. It saved me about half an hour. So I have experience too of getting ready for cricket in in strange places. Listen, Melissa, thank you very much for, uh, for for giving us your your lowdown. And we'd love to come have you come back actually, because you know you've obviously got a great sort of angle on the game and and pick up lots of great nuggets. And I guess you'll be watching the World T Twenty, will you? Yes, I will. First game on Friday and England's first game on Saturday. I think it's 1pm time. So interesting to see how England are going to go under John Lewis, the John Lewis era. It'll be interesting to watch. That's it for this week for the podcast. Simon Mann will be back next week. Thanks, Noughts. Thanks, Melissa. And don't forget to join our World's Best Cricket Club uh, for the next live guest and our very lively WhatsApp group as well. And you can get this podcast without ads as well if you go to worldsbestcc.com. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Podcast Network.